If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. This is Wolves Weekly, sponsored by MyDieselClaim.com. Hello there, I'm Mikey Burrows, and welcome to another episode of Wolves Weekly. This week, I'm joined by the former Wolves players Ryan Bennett, Barry Douglas and Claire Hakeman. We'll discuss the draw at Luton and Pedro Neto's performance in it, and just how much more he can produce for Wolves this season. We'll talk about the return of Matt Doherty and a possible return to playing five at the back, Plus, we'll reminisce about that header at Bristol City and a famous win over Manchester City as we preview this weekend's coming game too. But first, here's Claire Hakeman on the draw at Luton. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, um, you know, not a great opening 20 minutes, was it? We were absolutely under the cosh. I don't think we got out of our half. So, you know, it wasn't the start to the game. I think a lot of Wolves fans anticipated we'd probably take the game to Luton, but actually it was completely the other way around. And uh, I think by the time the sending off came down to 10 men, I think then like taking a point by the end of the game was actually a big achievement. The boys uh, were disciplined and, and you know, they, they fought really hard in the second half. We had we conceded masses of set pieces, so they really had to, you know, keep their levels of concentration high. Pedro Neto, an unreal solo goal, really against the run of play, and you know, against all odds, really after the after the sending off. So um, I think we were just a little bit unfortunate in the end with the VAR decision. But that said, I think I think given the Luton performance on the day, I think a point was a good result. Yeah, and defensively, I, I thought they were superb. And Ryan, you'd have loved it. I mean. It was it was it was kind of classic wolves from like the Nuno years in terms of we played a back five in the second half and anything that came in the box, Craig Dawson and, and Maximilian Kilman just headed it away. It was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, well, them, especially them two, that'd have been their perfect game, especially for Dawson. I mean, he put he put his head for a brick wall if he needed to. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So uh, yeah, it's, listen, it's a tough place to go, uh, Luton. I mean, they've been there a few times and. I don't think it'll be the only time you say that just when Claire was saying that about the first 20 minutes of sort of being under the cost. That's how they like to start as part of their DNA. They make, they make it hard, they'll press. You know, I think there'll be other teams that find it difficult in the first early stages of the game. Um, obviously, going down to 10 minutes doesn't help. Uh, getting back in the game and then defending for your life, you know. So, listen, I suppose you'd have wanted more, but on the balance of things and the way the day went, you'd probably come away with a draw on looking at more of the performances over the last few weeks and, and taking it looking at it as a positive step forward. Do you think people, Ryan, will will underestimate Luton? I know, look, they've they've not started the Premier League too well in terms of getting points and stuff, but you've seen them on their journey in the Championship the last couple of years. And and like you said to us beforehand, nobody's going to enjoy going to Kenilworth Road. No, it's a totally different experience. I mean, especially for some of the foreign players who would be in the squad. I mean, going there is, is a hostile atmosphere, a little tiny ground, change rooms are a lot different than what they'd be used to. And by all accounts, they've not picked up many points, but knowing the manager, knowing a few players there, I actually spoke to someone on uh, Wednesday who plays for Luton, and uh, he was saying how not unlucky they've been, but they're actually playing well, and not trying to get too disheartened with how the season's going, you know, there's, the Premier League's obviously new to them, with fine margins, you, you can see chances, you don't get away with them. 
and they're finding their feet and they're learning every week, you know. And I think, as you said, see, Kenilworth Road will be a tough place to go, and there will be teams that do find it tough when they go there. Barry, you've been part of two teams in recent years that have got promotion from the Championship and obviously had differing experiences in the Premier League. It's I always found when a team gets up in that circumstance, you look at them and go, well, actually, they're, they're some of the best organised. They've clearly built for a couple of years to get where they are. And to go down to 10 men and come away with something says a lot about Wolves in some respects. Yeah, of course, especially like, like Benno touched on, these these grounds, people don't realise how difficult it is to go and, and to get a point, never mind three points, is, is so difficult because it's different from what you're used to. Nice playing field, ground behind you, fans behind you. you. You don't get that there. So it's a completely different atmosphere for a lot of people and there'll be noisy games there. So... To, to get away a point, like Benno said, you build on the positives, you take from it, and then you look look to build the next games. One of the things that I've seen a lot of people question, I'm interested in all three of you on this, and Barry, you can go first. Um, in the second half, when Wolves were down to 10, and the the game is, is finally poised, and Gary O'Neill made the decision to take off Mateus Cunha and put on an extra midfielder in that instance. And and that's kind of split opinion from a lot of people because there was some who kind of say they should have put another striker on and, and look to kind of stretch the game or hold the player. And others say, you know, you needed to control the midfield a bit more and Luton have players coming forwards. Do you see that balance and, and, and kind of how difficult a decision do you think that is in the heat of the moment? Yeah, there's, there's going to be always pros and cons. And at the end of the day, it's down to the manager and how he sees the game, how he wants to, let's say, see out the game as such. So you're always going to split opinions, positive, negative, but it's how how he ultimately sees the game at the end of the day and the guys need to adapt to that. Um, even on on the field, I think the guys can take responsibility and feel how the game's gone as well. And that's, I mean, you, you've heard from outside a lot about game management, that's not just the manager. The the guys on the pitch feel that as well and know how to control that. And players like Benno is the one that is seeing everything, commanding everything. So I think there's a lot more meets the eye than that decision. Uh, there'll, there'll be a lot of parameters involved in that and, and the guys would have felt that as well. Benno, what do you think? Oh, exactly the same. I mean, this listen, that's why the manager's the manager, you know, and if he... If he made a different change and they got beat, if he brought a striker and they got beat, everyone's questioning the same thing again. And as you said, there is so many sort of things to look at when you when you're making decisions like that. You know, no one knows how Cunha was feeling. You know, maybe he was he ran a lot and he wanted some fresh legs. He wanted to play a different way. He wanted to hit them on a counter. He knew they were going to defend. Going to a back five, knowing the players that he's got at his disposal, that might suit him. You know, so it's it's one of them tough ones and. It may maybe it's split opinion in, in some respects, but at the end of the day, you come away with a one-one draw with ten men. It's not it's not a it's not it's not gone down as a bad decision, you know. And as I say, you could have brought a striker on, and then you become the Alamo becomes even harder, and you lose that game three-one, and then people are really questioning the decision. So it's it's, it's a tough one. You're never going to please everyone. Because Claire Bubikar Traore ends up making an amazing block 
in almost the last minute from a shot just inside the penalty area. And, and that alone, I mean, the way they celebrated that moment, the players felt that was a huge thing. Yeah, I mean, we used to see Angel Gomez celebrate every tackle, aren't we? And, you know, it's it was great to see because there were backs against the walls that absolutely worn so much pressure for the whole of that second half period. So I think you needed players in there like Bubacar Traore that are in for the battle, Lamina, Gomez. Um, they were all putting their bodies on the line for everything. So I think that the fact that we had Neto on the pitch at that point, he is at the moment our biggest threat, you know, for assists we know, but... Um, I think he's he was obviously given the job of leading the line. I can totally see why at that point in the game he takes Cunha off, adds an extra midfielder, but but lets Neto go and occupy their defenders. And obviously, you know, we end up getting a goal on the break from nothing. And I think he was probably the main player that was gonna gonna create that moment, to be honest. So I think it was I couldn't, you know, no particular criticism in the decisions. I don't think you can be risking you know, throwing on Kalajic and, and Fabio Silva because what you really didn't want to do on Saturday in the situation we were in was 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 lose lose the game and, and come out with no points. So I think protecting the point was, you know, pretty important as well. That's a that's the interesting thing. And and I say you you know you've all played to the incredibly high level and and you all tend to have different views from fans. So fans always think that it's really easy, Barry, to just kind of go, oh yeah, let, let's kind of throw people on and, and try and win it. You guys all know that points is is everything, right? Just get the points on the board. Yeah, well, that's the the beauty of being a fan. You know, you can have these expectation levels without question. You want your team to get three points at all costs, but in the reality, you know, going to a place like that to get a point, ten men is almost as good as a win sometimes. So it's the bigger picture, uh, and I think. Like I said, if, if you analyse the, the big picture, like it's, it's a good result at the end of the day. Um, of course, we'd all love to just go free-flowing attacking football and try and score at all costs, but there's probably a lot more cons and there's pros in that outcome. Ryan, are you a, you're always a points man more than anything else. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And that's what keeps you in the league and gets you, and gets you promoted and wins your, wins your games, you know, wins your championships. You know what I mean? So you need the points. As Baz was saying, you know, fans want to win every game. And at the end of the day, they're the first to cheer when you score, they're the first to moment you don't go well. So you're never going to please them. So it's literally it's one of them things, you know what I mean? He made the decision, the manager made the decision. Get behind it, support it, and move on. Um, Ryan, I want to ask you about uh, Pedro Neto because you know him better than, than any of us. Um, Claire mentioned his role in there and obviously an amazing goal that he scores as well. It's his first since the end of the season before the one just gone. So May 2022, which feels that, I mean, he's been injured, but that's a ridiculously long time for a player of his quality not to have scored. Yeah, listen, when he first came in, obviously, I remember an interview he was doing straight away and he was you know, saying, what's your aspiration? What do, you look, what, what do you see yourself in five years and what's your aims? And one of his answers was like, I want to be the best in the world. And, you know, that's like tongue-in-cheek for a lot of people, but after sort of a month of training, you was thinking, this guy's got a chance. <laughs> he was he was unbelievable, you know. And I mean, it took a bit of time. Obviously, he was a young he was a young boy when he came in, but you know you could see the quality that he had and the, the pace, the power that he sort of drove at people was was sort of scary at times. And then he was flying at the point, and then you know he gets a big injury, and I think people can underestimate the sort of type of injury he did have. Is, is a longer-term effect. It's not just the fact of getting fit, making sure the legs are right. There's a lot of elements to it, you know, like 
the psychology towards it, you know, like getting into the game and, and fearing what can happen again. And, you know, the first tackle, is he going to be the same player? There's all been doubts in his mind. And, you know, these things take time to sort of build back up. And I think now he's just hitting the ground running this season after sort of building that back up. And, you know, you see in the player that, that was there before and it's getting better. And I think, you know, the injuries sort of not stopped him, but, you know, steadied that progress at the time. And, and now you're just seeing a sort of progression from where he was back then. How do they get the best out of him? Because uh, they've used him on the left. He's got quite a few assists from there. He kind of he's played on the right as well quite a few times. I, I don't know whether you think he could play as one of a front two uh, if his game can develop in that way. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's probably changed a lot, you know, since I was sort of around him. But like, I would see him more as yeah, as a number sort of the ten, the, the left winger as a ten, a higher one. But listen, he was direct with the ball. When, once he gets the ball, he's running at you. That's that's his main sort of asset. You know, you, you wouldn't want to be sort of getting squared up by him. You know, that's one of the ones you know every time he's getting, he's coming directly at you. And that's, you know, Baz will know that from playing in the position he plays. You know, when you get a winger like that who's pacey quick and you know they're getting the ball and he's turning and going bang straight at you, it's a nightmare feeling to have. Oh, you're nodding. No, exactly that. Um and I think wingers like that is the, the most dangerous to play against because regardless of one, two, three duels, every time they get the ball, they're going to be direct. You know, you're in for a long day's work because as a winger, it only takes one good ball. And for the fans, they may criticise and mourn, but if he puts in one good ball and it's a goal, then they're singing from the heavens. Because I just wonder whether, you know, the, as he grows in importance and if he can get on this run now, whether he can be similar to what Diogo Jota was in the team that you played in, that that direct running and, okay, he's a slightly different player to Diogo, but that level of importance maybe, Barry? Yeah, I think from what from what I've saw of him, he's, um, he's different to Diogo. I, I think technically he's different. He's more... A dribbler. He's, he's technically Diogo was aggressive, powerful goals assist, but I think Neto is more technically gifted in in the sense of with the ball. Um, and I think uh, like Ben have touched on a lot will be down to his confidence in himself, like post injury, how he feels, um, and then just growing in, in game by game. And if uh, the manager can make him feel good. He's got a good run of games. He's contributing, of course, first and foremost, he needs to contribute. Then I think it could be yeah, very big player for, for Wolves. It's clear he was probably the, the best player on the pitch for both teams on the first half against Liverpool. And say the individual brilliance of that goal against Luton, if, if he's anywhere near the levels he was pre his first injury, then Wolves have got an unbelievable player. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember seeing him at the, you know, the, the turn of the year when he played him for the 21s at the training ground and it was probably one of his kind of, another one of his comebacks after a bit of an injury. Um, and he scored within five minutes for the under 21s, like a, just a classic goal on the left-hand side, took, took somebody on and, and, and put it into the corner of the goal. And, you know, since then, you kind of were desperate for him to, to come back to what he was before. And you, you, I think parts of last season, he was getting a bit of criticism from the crowd and you, you never quite thought he might get back to it. But I think the pre-season where he's had with Fabio in 
uh, Portugal under-21s. He came back from pre-season fit and sharp. And I think it's been uh, incredible to see just him grow. He's looking aggressive. He's being direct. Uh, he's taking people on four assists in six games. A brilliant goal. He was unlucky not to get an assist with Mario Lamina at the far post as well on Saturday as well. So it's, it's just been excellent to see him. And actually, he's that flair player we've been looking for. We had him all this time. We just had to be a little bit patient to see him come back to his best. Because, Ryan, you mentioned the... Um, the, the... I don't think it was tongue-in-cheek from him wanting to be the best in the world because he said it a couple of times since as well. And character-wise, I mean, he can be moody, right? He he wants to he wants to win and he wants everything to be his way. Yeah, 100%. I mean, listen, we didn't know when we first had the comment. You know, so coming in as a young boy, it's, 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 a, it's a big statement to make, you know, but literally, obviously, you do see it. And that's, you know, that's, that's the confidence to drive you need to be the best, you know, and... He can be like that in training, moody, but at the end of the day, he just wants to win and he wants to be the best, you know, and that's that's how you have to be. You have to be a little bit selfish. Everything everything has to be right. You have to do everything properly. So when, when you maybe see these things not going right in training or the game, you know, he's, he's going to express that because he demands it from himself. So he's, he's right to demand from every other player around him as well. Wolves Weekly with Mikey Burrows. Brought to you by MyDieselClaim.com. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. One thing that we saw in the uh, game at Luton, the second half, was the return of the back five or the back three. Uh, I don't know, actually, actually, considering you've got two guys who actually played in that formation, did you call it a back three, Barry, or a back five? No, I would say it was a back three. <laughs> so you were a wide midfielder mm-hmm. rather, or a wing back? What was your... What's the term? My, my responsibility. My responsibility wasn't going back the way it was going forward. <laughs> <laughs> that was Benno's responsibility. Kick people. Get the <laughs> ball forward. <laughs> Benno, were you are you back three or back five? Uh back three, but my job was just to get out when we had the ball, just get out of the way. So wherever Ruben went, I just went away from him and just let him just give him the ball and let him do it. And if someone needed taken out, then just I'd have to go and try and do it. That's a, that's a, that was my role. Let the ball players play. I just tried to, doing the doing the rubbish bits. Does it make a difference formations? Whether it's three, whether it's five, whether it's four? Because we've seen this attempt to to transition to four under a couple of different coaches now. And it's still a debate that rages amongst fans as to, you know, what suits the players best that we have and what's the best kind of shape to get results, really. And, I, and considering, I say, we've got two people who were brilliant exponents of it in the five, what do you prefer, Ryan? I don't think it's literally, the, the manager will decide that. I mean, he'll work with his squad that he's got and, and works what's best with that, really, but... As I say, from our experience when we did it at Wolves was, you know, it worked well. It was unbelievable for us. But we had the right players in the right areas. I mean, obviously dropping codes back into the middle as a sort of one of the back three was was sort of 
more to get on the ball and it was hitting diagonals all the time to Baz and Doc. So that was sort of the way we played it, you know, Ruben was dropping in to wide areas, like it, it was different, but it suited us and it suited where we were going and the way we were heading. And when we sort of did progress up the league and to get promoted, you know, it did give us a solid foundation as well. So, and then there always becomes a time when, you know, you get in the Premier League, you sustain yourself in the Premier League and then the time changes, you get into Europe, you then have to become a more dominant team on the ball. You have to control the game. And sometimes, you know, you can control a game by literally move, moving the middle man out of the back three and putting him forward. The, you, you gain an extra player just by moving that one person. And, you know, that's generally how people will see it, is in terms of trying to trying to control the game more by playing a back four. But me personally, I think you can, I think you can play a very variety of shapes and have the same sort of objectives and move players when you've got the ball where you need them. I mean, shapes a starting point and you can move off that pretty sort of loosely. Barry, do you agree? Yeah, I, I think exactly what Ben touched on there. Um, it also comes down to the the player's adaptability in different formations. Uh, of course, if like playing the, the five through the back, it just suited everyone and their um their attributes. The the position suited me, Doc, uh Codes dropping back. But of course, if you have that adaptability to then change into four and change the game tactically, then it's like a secret weapon. So I think especially the way football's gone now, everyone needs to be adaptable to one or two positions. Yeah, because it's not as simple as just four four two no. We like to overcomplicate the simple things. The thing is though, um, Claire, it's like I, I feel like there's kind of this rose tinted kind of view of, of the period that these two guys played in. That because we all enjoyed it so much, we want to recreate it. So we look at Craig Dawson and we go, Well, that's like the new Ryan Bennett. And Ryan Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> And and Rene Nori is the Algerian Barry Douglas, and do you know what I mean? Like we 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 de we're desperate for a return to that time, and so are we, are we just kind of wistfully trying to make the modern group be like the group that these two were in? Yeah, I think possibly we are. I think as fans, I think definitely that was the era, wasn't it? That season in the championship was just off the scale. Like everything went our way, and you know we were unplayable, weren't we, for for virtually all that season? So many different angles, but. I think, like for me, I think you look at the fullbacks that we've currently got in terms of wingbacks. That back three does give them quite a lot of rights and protection for them to push on and get forward and get involved in the game. We've seen it from Matt Doherty, haven't we, over over that season and growing in. He's now come back, and I'd like to almost see him with a back three behind him for him to be able to get forward because he was, you know, he's, he's a, a real threat in the opponent's box as well. Um, and the same for Ryan, Ryan Aitnori. We speak about him a lot, don't we? The defensive side of his game, probably not his strong point. So actually for him, a back three is probably his ideal scenario because he really can go and push on and join in um, in the final third, which is, you know, kind of what it is. But I think like the guys have just said, you've got to have that fluidity. You've got to be able to switch into formations depending on who you're playing and having the right personnel, you know, like do we have the, the kind of coded that can play that central of a three, you know, would it be Kilman being left-sided or Toddy Gomez or Dawson or, you know, like it's finding the combinations and really working out what's what's going to be best for us this season. I think we're going to see a few different variants of it as we've started off already. 
Well, but it's the thing because Benno, like when we talk about the back three, obviously we don't have Connor Cody anymore, so we don't have that kind of player there. But um, Craig Dawson actually, I think, has got a really good range of passing. And then there's Max uh, Max Kilman, who uh, we all know. I mean, look, it's the it's the fabled old thing that he played futsal, right? So of course he can play, <laughs> as every commentator always brings up almost every time. But like, do you think do you think it still works if you have? Um, out and out centre half. So, do you need that kind of Cody type player to to be that sweeper, to be on the ball, to be able to step out? Maybe. I think it depends how you're playing. You know, how, how you're structuring your your game within that shape. You know, if if you're playing a back three that turns into a back five to be solid, then yeah. But if you're trying to dominate the ball, say we went back to how we used to play, you know, it was imperative that you had sort of a Connor Cody there with that range of passing to hit the players where we needed them hitting. So I think it, it just totally depends on the manager's idea of how he wants to work the ball up the pitch and get it through the line. So it's one of them ones, you know, it's very subjective to to the game and how, how they want to play. So listen, Max could do it. Max, could, Max has got a good range of passing, he's good on the ball. Will any of them have the same sort of impact as codes with the longer range and diagonals? I don't think so, but they're good technical players but they are a little bit different. But as I said, you know, playing the right way, you can work, you can make it work. Um, and again, that's, again, that's on the manager and how he sees the game and how he wants to sort of use his players. Because Barry, one of the enticing bits about potentially going to a five more often is we don't actually have to find a Matt Doherty type player because we have him. <laughs> he's back. Were, were you surprised to when he saw that he'd returned? No, because I think of his affiliation with the club is always going to be difficult to turn down. And it just depends where he maybe felt he was at that stage in his career. Um, I mean, Wolves is, is a massive club, big draw at, at the best of times. So the fact that he had that affiliation beforehand, of course, it's difficult for him to, to turn it down. Uh, and he's gone back a completely different person, player, more established, um, different characteristics, uh, more experience playing abroad. So, I mean, the fans will probably expect the same Matt Doherty before he left, but in reality, it's a, it's a completely different person player that's coming back. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, but we, we know how good a player Doc is, so I'm sure he'll be fine. Ryan, I, I've always said I, I think he's one of the most underrated players we've had in a long time. And that tends to happen when you come through at a club really young because you don't get the same kind of view from the fans as whether they've spent lots of money on you. And when you go and see what he achieved in the last few years and actually what he achieved in 10 years at Wolves beforehand, I mean, he and he's still only, what, 31? I mean, he's got, he's got a lot of time left in him. Yeah, it's, listen, it's always the same, as you said, you know, when you come through a club, you look at it in a slightly different sort of light, but, um, you know, it's it was one of them, we're in an era now of, you know, foreign players being being the in thing, you know, and that's just the way it is. But, listen, he's done unbelievable for the club. He's, he's a very, very good player. You don't go to Tottenham and go alone to Athletic Madrid and be, do the things and be the places that, that he's been to. So, you know, it's... He's, he's undoubted how, how good a player he is. You know, he's, as Baz was saying, he, he will be a different guy now. And, you know, if, if the team playing the right way, he'll be a massive weapon. Uh, 
as I said, surprised me he went back. I thought he was going to go to Saudi Arabia, to be honest with you, <laughs> after his little cameo in uh, London, do you know what I mean? But obviously, you know, as you said, he's got a big draw to sort of walls and from what he'd done before, so I think it was a great fit. And Claire, when he came on on Saturday, there is a there is almost a calming presence about him. There was one where a cross came in from the right-hand side and Ryan Giles was trying to run into it. And, and Doc just used his body to kind of go, no, you're not getting anywhere near this. Yeah, I, I wasn't so calm then, I'm not going to lie. That was right at the end of the game, wasn't it? And I, I wasn't actually 100% sure he definitely saw him off his shoulder, but um, he does have that calming, you know, the way that he acts and the way that he is. He was, he was being really composed on the ball. And actually, at that stage in the game, that was really important. He was trying to get us back on the ball because it's what we didn't do all of the first half. And um, I think that was really important because I think it really encouraged the others to do exactly the same. And Joe Gomez was getting on the ball a little bit more. We were trying to enjoy a bit of possession, which didn't happen actually until that point. So in effect, he, you know, he he did a great job for us. He played, came on obviously left midfield, kind of ish, and then switched across obviously to right wing back when we went back to uh, you know back three on that side. So he was, yeah, he was, you know, he was effective. He was calming. He's got that level of experience, and at the moment, you know, looking across our our team, we had, we've lost a lot of leaders in the summer. So I think he'll be really important for us this season. Yeah, um, yeah, he he came on. We call it left wing back. Barry Douglas obviously calls it left wing. And uh, <laughs> where it goes from there. Um, Manchester City up next. Uh, Ryan Bennett, how do they approach a game against a team like City? Say a prayer before you go out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's obviously a difficult game, you know. Generally, we always had a good record against them, to be honest. But again, you know, it's, you're taking on one of the best, well, if not the best team in the world. So, you know, it's going to be tough. I mean, everyone knows that. You don't sit here and say it. But as I said, you know, it's another game. That's not that's not going to define any way their season's going to go. You know, so it's a good chance to go and showcase and carry on working on what they are working on. You know, hopefully the way they play, I mean, you look at the Man United game, they can cause opportunities. They're a strong running team. And, you know, if you win the ball back and break on them early, with the players you've got like Neto taking the ball and carrying out the pitch, they could cause them problems. So, you know, it'd be be a tough game, but say they've got they've got weapons that they can use, but you know, it's it's not it's not going to define their season how the game pans out. Because Barry, it's a similar conversation to one we had earlier about the whole kind of striker or midfielder when you've got ten men kind of thing, in terms of some people say it's a free hit, right? And but then do you approach it and go, right, we're just gonna play a normal way, or do you try and pack the defence, pack the midfield, do something special and and maybe that doesn't work anyway. To be honest, I think uh, they've got a solution for for every every problem. So yeah, in terms of a free hit, I think the occasion you'll enjoy it. Be be organised, approach it like any other game. But um, you can't be downheartened by the. In the reality, there's no expectation from that game. Um, so. If, if you get something from it, it's a bonus. If not, okay, focus on the next one because ultimately they're they're a world class team. So anything you do get is a bonus. And Claire, it's it's one of those situations whereby um, generally the atmosphere is good. We tend to perform on those type of occasions. Yeah, and I, well, I think it's really important that we actually 
you know, start well. A bit like the Liverpool game, we, re- we really took the game to them. I mean, it's really difficult to know how to, how's best to approach it with Man City, isn't it? But I remember last season going to the game and very early on we were 1-0 down and, you know, Jack Grealish had been involved and I mean, he scored the goal and... Uh, you kind of, you kind of, it's an uphill struggle, isn't it? After that, if you go one 0 down against Man City early on um, at home, and you kind of lose a bit of that atmosphere, I think the fans want to see us try and at least get into the game and try and, you know, get some possession and be a bit more positive. But equally, you've also got to be sensible. I'm sure there'll be like a fair game plan that comes into play. I mean, you know, but there is moment. There's always the potential. You think of Man City. I think, like Ryan just said, we, you know, we have historically done relatively well against them over the last few seasons and. Matt Doherty, December 2019, winner, no? Didn't he score in that game, 3-2 win? Yes. It was a long time ago, but I think, you know, yeah, maybe Benno, this is a sign. He, he has to start. Benno came on in the last minute just to shore it up and make sure he's all through. Yeah. Just yeah. give him more of a chance, I think, had it. <laughs> but you played, you played in the 2-0 that season. I know you were, you were an early sub. Uh, I think for Romain, who, uh, who went off injured. Um, and that was the Adama game, wasn't it? Where, I mean, oh. that must have been unreal to play in, Ryan. Yeah, it's one of them things. You don't, when, you, when you're in it, you don't really enjoy it too much because you don't really have time. Do you know what I mean? You, you're playing the game and say the game finishes, yeah, you get a little moment of joy and then you're on to the next one. So, listen, it's it's always nice to go and do. As I said, that didn't define our season, but it's not going to define the season now. But, but you know, it's, it's like as Baz was saying, you go you go there and you enjoy the occasion. It's, you obviously do all your work, you set up in a way to win, and you 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 do the same things you do for every other game. But you know, you're going into the game, and people around it are going into the game, knowing the task ahead. You know, so listen, they'll have a game plan. They'll they'll be working hard to go and make sure they win the game. But as I said, you know, they, they're under no illusions; it will be tough. It's interesting though that you say that like you don't kind of dwell on it. I... Now that you're out of it, I know you're still playing, but now that you're out of the Wolves thing, are there any games that you look back on and kind of look now and go, oh, I love that, like either the atmosphere or the result? Uh, it's a tough one, really, because, you know, like I was probably at a point in my career at that point, at that time, probably think I'd never play in the Premier League again, you know, and I end up doing that. So I actually said to myself, like, you know, in the last year I was there, I was like, I'm just going to try and enjoy every game. So I actually enjoyed the, the last year more than I did have and still in any year of my career because I knew that it was only a matter of time. So that was just sort of the mentality that I had at that point, you know, like just trying to enjoy every game, take it as not game by game. But you don't have a chance to sit there at any level in the tunnel or before the game looking around the stadium going, oh, this is amazing. Oh, look who this is next to me. And you know, if you think that, you're out of the game already. So, like, it's, it, it is a tough one. I think maybe you, you, you can look back or you, you know, you can talk about things like this and you can enjoy moments, relive moments, but that's that's kind of how, how it was. You know, you had to move on very, very quickly, like regardless whether that was a bad result or a good result. So, you know, it's one of them things, you know, you can you can have little moments of joy, but it doesn't stay sort of long-lasting because you're moving on so quick. Barry, are you the same? Please tell me that you wistfully watch back videos of your free <laughs> kicks in that season and... And all sorts of Rubens volley against Derby and go, I was there. No, Ben was Heather, Bristol City, you mean? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nah, like, like he said, it's, I think it's one of these moments where you can sit after football and look back and really appreciate and immerse yourself in because even, even now, 
like you can look back in these moments, but if you're still in the game, you're you're focused on your present moments and playing, so you don't really get a moment to savor it. Um, and it's nice to speak about and relive these moments, but I think after football is gone a bit of time to appreciate it and really fully immerse yourself in it and say, ah, it was a good moment. And thankfully, we've got a good one in Benno's header at Bristol City last minute. <laughs> Genuinely, right, Claire, if you were to say, like, top five of the best moments of, say, the last decade at least, like, that moment, Benno's dance, at, like, the <laughs> crazy celebration, and Nuno in the stand with that old fella, like, going crazy at him. It was class, that. Like the champ, they kept putting the champagne thing, didn't they, on the top of it? But it was, it was um, unbelievable times to be a Wolves fan. Do you know what I mean? I think like the John Ruddy double save at Cardiff, and you know, so many just great moments that just kept up. They just kept on coming. That was the best bit. It was. It'd be hard to even reflect now on the best moments of, you know, that because every every it just it just all seemed to fall for us. It was just incredible. Like, that was my lad's first season with a season ticket, and he just thinks now he's like. I love that Wolves, what happened then. And the next season, obviously, we had a worldie as well. So he's now, you know, struggling as we've started to fall down the table a little bit with saying, you know, well, this is a bit bit different to those times. But the, the good times just kept on coming. So, you know, we really appreciate all those. And I'm sure we'll keep reflecting on them for like forever, probably. Because, <laughs> Ryan, just before I let you go, like, uh, I always try and do this to people. And I know, like, I've, I've done it to John Ruddy and a few of us, and you're all modest guys, so you don't like it. Barry knows I've done this to him loads as well. We haven't had the, too many opportunities to talk to you about it and to say thank you for your part in, in what you all did. And that moment at Bristol City is immortal for so many supporters, but not just that, that everything else that you contributed to as well. It was a special time for all of us. And and I hope it was for you as well when you can eventually put your feet up on your career and look back on it. Yeah, listen, I mean, it goes both ways, you know, like it was a great time that we had as a team. But also for me, I went there as I got released from Norwich. I went on a free transfer under in a moment where the new manager come in with a bit of money that was coming into the club. And, you know, my career wouldn't have been what it was at that point if it wasn't for Wolves. So, you know, people can say, oh, you know, it's good. You say thank you, whatever you're saying. But at the same time, I still have great, great, great gratitude towards the club because at the end of the day, they, they gave me the best moments in my career. So, as I said, it worked both ways. And I'm very appreciative of the time I had there. You know, I think if I was at any other club, that wouldn't have happened for me. Um, as I said, we talked about formations earlier. I, I fell into a, a club and a formation and a manager that kind of suited me and I wouldn't have done that at most other clubs at, in that point. So, as I said, I think there's more thank yous from me towards the club than there is the other way. So, you know, we just, we're employed to do, do the best we can, and, and that's what we do. You know, I'm thankful for the club that gave the opportunity to do it. Wolves Weekly, brought to you by MyDieselClaim.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.